Welcome to the Run for God Run Club, where you will find God in a runner's space. Welcome to the Run for God Run Club. This is your one stop each week to be motivated and inspired to get off the couch and onto the running trail where you can, in turn, inspire others to do the same. Let's learn, laugh, and leap into running together, giving God the glory for what we are able to do in His name. I am your running host, Dean Thompson, and we have a special treat for you today. I love having the opportunity to share stories with our very own Rug Club members. And it's even better when the story is as great as this. And, and uh, sitting across the desk from me today is Elizabeth Morey. She and her husband, Brian, a lot of folks, if you, if you're part of Run Club, you know who they are. If you're not, you're going to, you're going to get a little slice of heaven today as we, uh, as we talk to Elizabeth. So, um, you should be, you'll today, after watching or listening to this podcast, you're going to go, I need to join that group because she's that special. Welcome, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. How are you? Good. You guys had a good trip down from Ohio. Yes. Right? And I drove the whole eight hours. Big nice. step for me. So that was nice to overcome fear. That's awesome. Yes. Isn't that awesome? Oh, yeah. Isn't it funny how we can we can do that in so many ways, right? Yes. A simple drive is, is, is a big step. Yes. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. And so you guys live where in Ohio? Defiance, Ohio. And that's where, so tell us where that is. Northwest Ohio, like up in the far corner of Ohio. We're in between Defiant, or Toledo, Ohio and Fort Wayne, Indiana. Okay. So. I know that area. Yeah. You like it up there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's nice to finally own our own home. That's awesome. That's <laughs> awesome. Well, you and I met just a few years ago in Cahutta. We yes. had a July 4th race, and you guys came down for that race. And I think that's where you and I met the first time. I believe so, yes. Yeah. Yep. Yep. And you guys loved Cahutta, I oh, remember. Yes, we did. You guys I've were like, maybe, maybe we can find a house here. Still <laughs> still trying to convince them every single time we come down here. <laughs> Even have other Run Club members trying to do that. So. All right. All right. That would be awesome. That would be awesome. All right. So, um, So tell us about your family. Uh, Brian, we've been married for 10 years, almost together for 11. And then I have a daughter, Addison, from a previous marriage. And then he also has a son from a previous relationship. So just us, you know, we have a small family. He was adopted, so he doesn't really know his family. Yeah. And then my mom's the only one left on my side. So. Okay. And do they, does she live anywhere near you? About half hour. Okay. So no, when we come down here, it's like a family reunion. So yeah. We love it. Yeah. Well, very good. Very good. All right. Well, do you, I, you know, you got to be careful the questions you ask, but yes. do you want to share your general age for people that listening? I'm 33. 33. Yep. It's just okay. a number. Yeah. We've seen today the accomplishments of people. Are, older than me people younger younger than me so yeah. it's amazing age is just a number to me so uh, amen sister preach it because i i say that all the time you know i'm 57 now and i remember when 57 seemed old and now i'm like i don't feel any different than i did 20 years ago well that might not be true i might have a few more aches and pains but other than right that, <laughs> uh all right so we're going to talk more about a lot of this stuff that we're, we're sharing right here but um and and about your job but what is your job because we're going to talk about that in your story so tell us about what you do so i work at an automotive factory i uh, work with an automatic welder so it's where i put the parts on and then slide the light curtain and you have to step back out of the light curtain 
it'll turn around, automatically weld the parts. And mm-hmm. then while it's welding, I go back into the cell and put on another set. So you should get about 186 parts an hour. So wow. it's a fast-paced job. Yeah, it's just one right after another. Yes, all day non-stop. long. Nonstop. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you do you like that kind of work? Do you? It's not my first choice. Yeah. I love customer service. Do you? And while I can yes, see that. I have issues with talking to a whole group of people i love talking to people having that connection it's so much more than just going to work being a number yeah and then walking out i I feel like there's no fruit there yeah so it's hard but as you'll see there is some fruit in what i've been trying to accomplish at work so absolutely absolutely all right well we are not going to share we usually share a run club post here uh but we're not going to do that this week the reason being because we're we're actually going to be a little bit ahead of schedule in our recording of these. So we're going to, we're recording this actually on the day this morning. We did the Run for God 5K yes. and we're recording this same day since you were in town. We're taking advantage of that. <laughs> and, uh, you did what exceptionally well. You finished second overall for women. I was surprised, very surprised because this is the first full week that I think I've ran three times in a week how awesome is that (laughs) it was a lot of pressure because at first i was the first woman and i was like okay that's a lot of pressure and then oh you're beating your husband i'm like okay well that's probably more important than being (laughs) number one woman so i was glad i beat him yeah well and every time you guys came by i don't know if you heard ted yes i did yeah the announcer telling everybody about how he was so far behind you yes (laughs) yes i like those updates though (laughs) that helped me i could relax a little bit maybe too much at sometimes but <laughs> uh, he got in a good jab at Brian there at the end when he said, um, you remember that woman that finished about five minutes ago? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that was the other half. That was pretty awesome. All right. So we we did have a trivia question for last week. So I'm going to talk about last week's trivia question answer. And last week's trivia question was one where there wasn't any right answer. And the, the question was, what is the most important type of run that you do and why? Do you do you have a, an answer for that? Is there a particular run that you? We're not ones to stick to a training plan, so yeah. I like the long slow. I feel okay. like that's where I get the most benefit yeah. because if I run really hard, I feel like I've wasted all my time to when I'm supposed to run hard and fast. So yeah. mine's the nice slow approach. Yeah. Brian, on the other hand, he's opposite of me, so he goes fast all out. All the time, for the most part. So, but you can see. Well, we won't tell Brian you're the wiser of the two. But, <laughs> well, uh, well, for me, I think it depends on what I'm getting ready for. So, if I'm getting ready for a 5K, then it's a you know it's a it's a tempo run, something like that. This feels critical to me. If I'm getting ready for a marathon, then the long run seems really critical to me. Um, but overall, I, I still. I have run a lot of races over my lifetime where I just don't really have time to fit in a whole lot of workouts. So I just do a lot of easy runs because it's easy for me to do easy runs because a lot of times I'm coaching and I can run with my athletes. And so I run the easy runs with them. So I wind up doing easy run after easy run after easy run. And, um, but I could, I've run some pretty good races on nothing but running easy runs. And you're the fast old guy. So (laughs) it works for you. (laughs) It does. And so, I mean, for that reason, I feel like, I feel like it's like this. Like when when we train, if we do a, go through a normal training program, there's a base period, and then you have these workouts that help get you better from there. But the base period gets you seventy five percent there. 
you know, your, mm-hmm. your, your fitness level wise, you're about, you, you probably get 75% of it out of that, that, you know, let's say it's eight weeks of base training. Um, and then there, you, you're working on that last 25% for the next 12 weeks, right? Yep. And so I feel like that for that reason, the, just the easy runs are just critically important. And we've talked before on here about what, why that is, you know, about the, how it, it builds your blood volume and things like that. And mm-hmm. it's, it, so I think that the, if I was going to choose and say, what is just for everybody? What's the most important run? It's the, just the easy runs, just the getting out there every day, you know, and our, I, I say every day because I run every day, but yes. if you, you know, five days a week, whatever it is, being consistent with whatever your plan is. Um, so that's, that's what I think. Um, but if, if it were, if I only had one workout that I could do, like one hard type of run I would do, I would do tempo runs. Um, I had a really, really good year back in 2013. I was 47 and, uh, I had a really good year that year. Did a lot of, uh, really ran some impressive times. And a lot of that came off of doing nothing, but I did nothing but tempo runs that year. No track workout, nothing else. I didn't, but I did a lot of tempo runs, like almost every week I would do a tempo run. And so that seemed to be the thing that helped me. So, um, that, so I can't help it have an affinity for that kind of workout well what's your number one do you have a kind of a workout that you like to do other than the the long run is there a like a track workout interval workout anything like that that you enjoy doing well where we're at right now we're not as close to a track so i like to go out i i try to do the first mile slow and then usually if out in the country there's telephone poles so we try to do telephone pole and okay. then speed, and then slow down and speed up. It's so, kind of a fart like run. Yeah, kind yeah. of. I mean, I don't know how long those are supposed to be in between, but... Fart like runs don't have structure. That's um, the whole idea behind a fart like run, is you just do how you feel and run to the what, wherever you want to. It can be you know, run by time, or it can be run by object. It can be anything. Yeah, so. that's most of our runs have been yeah. by time, so yeah. we don't really have a mile set. We're just supposed to run hour and a half, and then we're done. All right. So I like that. Now the high school kids that I coach, they hate that. They hate when I tell them to run for forty-five minutes. They would much rather me tell them to run six miles, because to, to them, six miles has an end. Forty-five minutes seems like forever. And I, I think in their brain that's yeah. the way it is. But um, I, I told them, I said, "Well, this if you hear me say forty-five minutes, and you know you're going to run about six miles in forty-five minutes, then just think six miles. Don't hear forty-five minutes." Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think one of my favorite workouts. I love to do. I know this is just a crazy workout, but I I love to do ten times one mile. And a lot of times when I do that, a lot of times I do it on the track, and so it's monotonous. But I, lo- I don't know why I love that workout so much. I'll run a mile at a particular pace, and then I'll jog a lap in between and run a mile. So it winds up being like 16 or 17 miles by the time you get through. Oh, wow. Uh, so, but I, I don't know. I think it's because when you get, when I get through that workout, I feel really accomplished. You know, I feel like I did something. Oh, and mentally afterwards, yeah. I mean, that helps strengthen your mind too. And yeah. that's a, a lot more than just running. <laughs> That's always good. Always good. All right. Well, we're going to come back. Um, until then, listen to this about J Radio. You know that they sponsor us, and we couldn't do what we do without them. While you're working hard to keep your body in shape physically, the music you listen to while you run can help keep you in shape spiritually. We've partnered with J Radio to put together a group of running playlists by Dean, Lane, Holly, myself, and others that you hear here on the Run for God podcast. 
Plus, you can listen to a playlist put together by members of Run Club just like you. Check out the whole station of Run For God playlist at jradio.com and in the J Radio app. We are back with Elizabeth Maury. Is that the right way to say it? Maury. Maury. Not Moray. Maury. All right. You know what? I don't correct Mitchell either. It's fine. We're happy to be here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, you know, it's one of those names where it can be pronounced a couple of different ways. Yes. Well, I've heard Maury, too, after I've said Maury. So. Uh well, <laughs> we get a lot of different last names yeah, I, then. I could, so, I yeah, I can see that. That's well, I guess that's one of the blessings of my life is my name is very simple. Uh, Thompson is a really popular last name, and Dean is really simple. Although I will say this about my name: there's a lot of things that rhyme with Dean, and I've heard every one of them. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, mostly people picking on me. Uh, so. Listen, if you're out there and you're listening to this and you're, you're you're about to hear Elizabeth's story and we need to hear your story. There's so many people out there. Ah, oh, boy, we were at the race today. I talked to so many people that have a story. Great stories. There was one lady as she's running by, she's in the middle of this 5K and she's telling me as she goes by, I had a heart attack six weeks ago and had two stints put in, and here I am. And I'm like, that's an amazing story. You need to write that down. (laughs) I was just telling Brian about that. Some lady had shared about she had done the Disney, and it's been two years since you guys have done the Disney, and she's had some health issues as well mm-hmm. along with me when we were talking about it and i was like you need to write a story about it it's amazing what god has done in your life so yep. i really hope she writes her story i think i know who you're talking about yeah yeah for sure that's yeah so you're out there everybody has a story it doesn't have to be this crazy thing it can be very simple and sometimes god can everybody out there needs to hear somebody a lot of times we, we identify with people in regular, ordinary situations. And so um, your regular, ordinary situation that you think is regular and ordinary may be an extraordinary thing for somebody else to hear. So so get out there. Write those stories up. You go to runforgod.com and go to that spot where it says submit your story. It's really simple. It's really simple. All right. So I don't know if we need to set this up. Um, this is a tough thing for you to do. This was... Um, it's not comfortable for you to share your story, but um, you re- you recognize just what I was just talking about, right? Yes. And there's somebody out there, I guarantee you, listening to this as it comes out that needs to hear it. And so um, I'm sure that there'll be we'll get phone calls and we'll get emails saying, "Man, we so appreciate Elizabeth's story." So, having said all that, I'm going to let you tell your story. All right. Cultivating me. Cultivate to prepare, foster, break up soil, complete upheaval in order to have new growth. This is where I've been since May of 2022, cultivating. I remain in the field being worked on and broken up. Why? Because God has fruit to yield in and through me. I wish I could say I have openly followed his plan. I slowly closed up and turned to isolation from friends god and even brian the fruit of isolation was anger bitter and depression i suffered alone until i felt i was at my breaking point physically and mentally this story is about life changes and cultivating a child of god's 
part so that she can yield the kind of fruit that not only helps herself grow, but others in the field as well. In May of 2022, my life seemed to flip upside down, and I'm not one for change, but God's. I went from a stay-at-home mom to an empty nester eight years too early, all the while becoming a workaholic seemingly overnight. Addison is my daughter from a previous marriage. Blended families add a twist to raising a child. Brian, my husband now, and I have prayed since she was little, and I knew that this day would come when she would want to live with her dad. I can't imagine how Addison had felt to be pulled between two parents and to finally feel what it was like to be in my ex's shoes with only being able to see her every other weekend. I turned to some trusted prayer warriors to help me navigate this decision, not only for me, but for Addison as well. One piece of advice I received related to the life of Moses. Moses was with his mom only a short while before leaving to live in Egypt. Look at the man of God he turned out to be. Addison, just like Moses, is being influenced in different ways. Addison moving out to live with her dad happened the same month I started my new job at my husband's work. Brian has tried for 10 years to get me into his company, so when the opportunity came, we knew I was supposed to take the job. I started my first full-time job in June of 2022 after being at home for nine years. This union job was tough to even get into, let alone the effort Brian had put on my behalf. Now, being under the pressure, that was an an understatement. It took 120 days to officially get into the union and for me to be able to relax. Every day leading up to my union day, was a test from the employees being busybodies and messing with my machine to the poor management and a run-in with a maintenance man belittling me. I hated my job and was a nervous wreck. During this time, I tried to impress my husband while keeping up with the demands at work and home as well as juggling with my emotions with Addison moving out. I tried not to allow my emotions to show, so I used work as a way to cover up my pain. And before I knew it, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week, and my life soon revolved around work. I thought it would be nice reward when it came, when I got into the union, so I bought myself a Jeep. I call it my empty nest crisis. I continued to work there to please Brian, and I would work more hours just so I could have whatever was next on my list. Soon, the Jeep, trying to please Brian, and the list of things that I wanted were more only a reminder that I still felt empty and unhappy. The incentive to keep me at work soon wore off, and I became more resentful and angry. Working way too many hours and never having time off, I hated my job and didn't want to be there. Why couldn't Brian see that? But I was pushing on until I physically got hurt. Before long, I lost who I was, my focus, and purpose, pleasing God. Following his will is my first calling, and if I put him first, the rest will fall into place. Mm. I now have carpal tunnel with the possibility of surgery, which, which I'm against, but actually now wanting to have the surgery just from a break from work. One of my friends said maybe getting hurt at work was God's way of slowing you down. Mm. Since slowing down, I am now on a 40-hour work restriction, and I have more time for me, God's word, and prayer. One day at work, I finally opened up to God 
about all that was wrong with the place I'm working. Why should I not be work here? And why hasn't Brian seen this and let me quit? I heard God loud and clear. It's not to change. I'm sorry. (laughs) It's to change my heart, not Brian's. Knowing I have a financial obligation with the Jeep, I feel indebted to stay at a place where I'm not even happy. So where or how can I show Jesus? God has shown me I can shine Jesus in light and dark places disguised as rude, selfish behavior. And through his strength, I can go out of my way to help others when I'm having problems with their machines. Until God shows me, I will continue to walk this path. I have slowly seen some things change with how badly I was belittled and saying nothing in return. Some have advised me to treat them the same way as they treat me, but my only response, how will that show Jesus? You know what? Because of situations like this, I have been able to share with others that I am a Christian and I will continue to try to be a light at this workplace for as long as God allows. There is much work in me that needs to be broken up to bear fruit. I'm able, I'm willing, son me. Mm, mm -mm. I love that last, that last line, willing, able, and you're, and you're ready to go. Yes. Man, um, I think that we've probably all been in a situation where we, we got ourselves into something, something. In in this case, it's a job, but it could be a lot of, it can be a relationship. It can be, um, you know, an obligation to, to help somebody with something. Um, you know, I've, I've had situations where I wanted to, I told somebody I'd help them and you go and you help them and then you realize this is something different than what I thought I was agreeing to. Right. And then you yes. get into that thing and it's like, oh, this is, and it's like, I, I completely understand. Um, so, and all of this is happening at the same time that Addison is, is leaving. Yes. And so, your heart gets really tender in, in all those moments. So every time you hear something from somebody else that sounds negative, well, you know, it just, it's like straight, it's like picking at a scab, isn't yes. it? Yeah. Is that what it felt like? Yes. It yeah. was, and I'm not one for change. I like my little bubble. I feel yeah. safe, but I also know I do not grow if I stay in it. Yeah. And it just seemed like when I came up with cultivating me, it's like, wow, when just everything uprooted, but then there's time for planting. So I yeah. know yeah. something amazing will be coming out of this. Yeah, yeah. Well, one of the lines that you had in there, uh, my, uh, maybe my favorite part of the whole thing is, your, your, my only response is, how does that show Jesus? I'm a very, re- I don't know if you're like me, but I'm a very reactive person. Mm-hmm. When somebody says something to me that makes me defensive, I have a really hard time keeping my mouth closed. Now, there's some people who are the opposite, who they would never strike back and say anything, and that's bad too, right? So right. both both extremes are bad. Yes. Um, I, I remember. Um, well, the, the, one of the few times I, I didn't get into many altercations at work, but I remember mm. being at work one time, and a, and a guy that just he knew where to needle me, and he would needle and he would needle, and he said something one day, and man, I let I let him have it hard and um it was probably i want to say in that case i think it was god i think it was god that was teaching me was teaching me a lesson number one but was also creating the circumstances that i needed to move forward in a different way and uh, you can look back on all of that and you can see it right you can probably see some of that now and you can go 
as bad as it was in the moment, mm-hmm. I can see why. Right? Yes. Can you see that now? Yes. And he, the person that I had the biggest issue with is now a little softer with me. Yeah. Now he's like that with a lot of people that, uh, Brian says, uh, looks vulnerable or he does it to women a lot. So, yeah. and that is my biggest thing. I was like, well, maybe instead of retaliating and being angry with him, I need to show him love and kindness because he's used to getting the same thing I'm back sure. in return. And yeah. I don't want to do that. And you have the opportunity to be that different person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's pretty awesome, man. Um, so, I like the idea that it's getting better. And I love the, the title cultivating me because it's a, it's a good way to look at what God is doing for each of us. You know, the Bible talks about how we're being perfected and God is working on us trying. To, and if, if we're, if we're focused on him, and of course there's always, I mean, even David, the man after God's own heart got mm-hmm. off track, right? Yes. And so we all get off track and. But the truth is, is that hopefully we have this line of we can look back a year from today and look back a year and go, God's got me in a better place today, you know. Yeah. And even exactly. if you're not actually in a better spot financially or physically or whatever, you know, spiritually you are. And um, and I think that's what counts. Is, yes. And that's what what being perfected means to me. Um and the, the truth is, is that having all of these, the negative thoughts that you have about the people that are around you sometimes, it's natural. It's not good, <laughs> but it's natural, right? Yes. And that's, uh, I, we should want to do better for sure. The, the guy that I was talking about that I really let him have it, I felt terrible about it afterwards. You know, 10 minutes later, I was like, oh, that was so dumb. Why did you, why did you do that? Mm-hmm. Um, but, it was it was one of those steps. Um, so, um, what strikes me in this too, and maybe maybe you can clarify for me, it feels like you felt really alone during a lot of this time. Yes, and I've and never is that, is that is that a creation from you? Do you think, or do where? Why do you think you felt that way? I feel like. Uh, You've worked in a factory, and mm-hmm. this has really been my first actual time of being in a factory. And it's a, to me, it feels a lot darker than some of the other jobs I've had just because of the people and atmosphere. Yep. And so you already feel alone, and you're like the one little light trying to continue to shine on. Yeah. And then I feel like also that I created it as well. You know, I didn't share with Brian or yeah. share with, you know, someone else. On yeah. what I was struggling, I was like, "Oh, I can do it! I can do it all myself." I don't know if you've seen my Facebook during the time. You know, I was painting our entire house yeah. while working, so yeah. I was doing whatever I could to muster through and channel out my pain in other ways. So you weren't only trying to cover the walls up; you were trying to cover up feelings as <laughs> exactly, well, weren't you? Yes. Yeah, yeah, and that never works because eventually it comes crashing down and. That's when I realized, you know, hey, I'm not alone in this. I need to pray and turn to God. That's probably why he had me go through all this because sure. he saw me drifting away. So sure. Count, I'm thankful for it. Count it all joy. Right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Um, I'm so glad God's intervened for you. Proverbs 16.9 says, a man's heart planned his way, but the Lord directs his steps. You know, Mitchell and I talk about it all the time, how we, 
we, we get this feeling like we need to help God, <laughs> like yeah. like He needs our help. <laughs> um, but what we really need to be doing is get out of His way, right? Yes. And uh, it sounds like that's what you're you're figuring out that all this happened. Because God's trying to teach you to get out of the way, right? Yes. Is that, it, is that the way it feels? Yes. I feel like I have to suggest, or, hey, if I go in front, I will follow through with my plan, or then everything will work out yeah. how I want it to. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I love those times when you feel like you, you just know that God is pointing you in a direction. And you're certain of it. And you know, right? Mm. And I, I remember... um I've told the story on here before. The, the confirmation that I got from from God when when I was with running, uh, you know, I was at Shaw Industries, a job that paid very well, and I was there for twenty five years. And I left that company, and I worked, started working with Run for God, where I was making less than half of the amount of money I was making there. And you worry about money. We we all worry about money, right. and. Um, but I remember thinking, well, I'm, I'm going to take this job with Run for God because, well, I don't have another job, right? <laughs> so we're going to do it. And, and I lo- of course, I loved it from the very first second that I started. That I, of course, I was involved with Run for God before that in, in a less official capacity. We wrote the devotions book and stuff while I was still at Shaw. But after I was at working with Run for God for a year, I thought, well, I'm going to look back at my bank account. Let me see how much more money. Have you heard this story? Yes, I have. See how much more money I've spent than I, than I took in. Because, you know, again, you worry. And I realized that I looked at the same date a year apart, and I had spent just $500 more than I had taken in. And I thought, man, that was God's God saying, I got you where I want you. See, don't worry about money. You're good. You're doing what I want you to do, which is great. But then an hour later, I came over here, walked into this very room, actually. And as I walked in, Mitchell said, ah, I wish I would have known you were coming. I just put a check in the mail to you for $500. And it was an exclamation point from God saying, this is the direction I want you to go, period. And, you know, since that point, I don't pay attention to finances. I really, I know when, when I say that, people are like, you gotta be, you gotta be kidding me. I'm like, no, no, God's got it. It's now, and I wish I was that way in every area of my life that I would give God everything that, you know, yes. and I, cause I don't, I would, and if I were to say that, I would be lying. Um, but when you do have those pockets of your life that you can say, God, um, you got this area, and I know you do, and I'm not even going to worry about it at all. It feels so liberating, and it sounds like you're on that journey right now. Yes, getting that spot on. Yeah, so it's a relief <laughs> to know to have that and know that in whatever way I go, I will be fine. Yes, absolutely, and you will be. Um, now this one's talking about the Lord <laughs> directed our steps, and I I thought about this. What if I came to your house? And I walked in your house, and I looked around, and I was like, why do you have the furniture arranged this way? <laughs> right? Right. You'd be, like, offended. Like, what are you talking about? This is the way I like it. I live here. <laughs> well, that's the way we are with God. Right? We're exactly. walking into God's world, and we're going, God, I don't like the way you arrange the furniture. It's so silly when you think about it that way, right? Yes. But isn't that what we do? Yes. And it's not, it's not good when you realize and go through it all. Yeah. Yeah. 
This first question, why is it so hard to surrender our plans to God? I think we all wonder that, right? So what, what do you think? How, why is, why is it a problem for us to, to say, God, I, I've seen you do it before. Here it is. Take it. Well, like I said, I still, I'm praying all the time that I would just surrender everything, but I want to, I feel like, oh, just like with Addison, for an example, when she's younger, I wanted to keep her in her bubble because you could see the next steps. And it's like, oh, that's not a good one. Yep. But I've slowly backed away because she has to learn that same way with me. If I don't just trust God and pray and let it down at his feet, how am I supposed to learn or how am I supposed to be like, okay, God got me through the same exact scenario just a few years ago and I was fine. Right. I didn't have to freak out and worry, you know? <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. But it's so hard. Yes. And I think part of the reason why it's hard, this is what, this is my take on it is I think it's hard because we, we know the Bible also tells us that we, we're, we have to work if we want to eat, right? I yes. mean, it's very clear that we should be working hard as well. So God's telling us, Work hard, but make sure you're, that I'm the one that's telling you what to do. And so that's, that's hard to find that line, right? Because we want to do and mm-hmm. we want to accomplish and we want to get stuff done. And sometimes we just get out ahead of what God's got for us to do, don't we? Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that very often when we get into this spot where we wonder why didn't we let God have it, I, I think it's almost always completely innocent. You know, I think we, we have these great intentions. You know, I, I want, I wanted to, I was trying to accomplish something really good, really good here. And then, I, you know, it, it, I messed it up because I didn't do what God wanted me to do. And, and I think that that, that's the thing that, that's where Satan wants us. He wants us busy working on stuff we don't need to be working on, right? Yeah. So it takes the focus off God and what He's given us yep. and be happy with that instead of working for ourselves. Yeah. So what Satan does is he takes that, that, that good thing that you're doing, that charity work that you're doing, that whatever it is that you're doing, that's a, that seems to be a good thing and he dresses it up like it's this wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. And it's hard. It's, it's, I think that's why it's really hard to tell. Um, but I think the bottom line is that if we are earnestly seeking God, if that's what we're doing, if we're really, really focused on, okay, God, please give me signs, tell me what you want me to do, and I will do it. Just like at the end of your story, you're you're able, you're willing, send me. That's got to be our attitude. And when it is, mm-hmm. I think that if we live that every day, he's going to show us. Right. Yes. The problem is we don't do it every day. Exactly. We, we get up that day and we're like, oh, I got stuff to do. We start getting busy. Right. Yep. Yep. I'm, I'm so bad about it. Ecclesiastes 2, 10 and 11 says, whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. And this was my reward from all my labor. Then. I looked on all the works that my hands have done and on the labor in which I had toiled. And indeed, all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. That's such a powerful passage. Because, you know, we're talking about, of course, King Solomon mm-hmm. wrote Ecclesiastes. And he's talking about in his own life, he could have anything. He was so rich, he could have whatever he wanted. If he saw something, he wanted one, he could get it. You know, can you imagine? Uh, you see anything you want, you can have it. 
and he found that that I think it's like ever for all of us if we found ourselves in those in that position it'd be great for about two months yeah <laughs> right and then we would realize huh even when I get all the stuff I want it, it doesn't matter because without God none of it means anything exactly yeah and that's but it's hard to do that when you can't go out and get everything you want because you always think if i get that thing well then i'll be happy right right do you feel like that was part of the jeep thing or do you think the jeep thing was just i just wanted one because i always wanted one or actually i've never wanted a jeep i don't yeah you know we joke about brian says it's a jeep cult because of the ducks and everything which i had no idea about it me i love being in the sun okay. so having everything off yeah it was the thing that i wanted but i also don't like driving in the snow so it was all-wheel drive and everything so that was awesome for me there was yeah. a car i was looking at it was a small Buick. Yeah. I was like, we travel a lot. And even for this weekend, the whole Jeep was full. It yeah. was just us. Yeah. <laughs> so first it was, hey, I want this Jeep because that's what's going to keep me here. And yeah. then it was also at the same time I felt empty because of Addison not being at home with us. Yeah. And I was like, well, I can have fun with it, you know, and do whatever. And then it's like, well, afterwards, it's like, so what? It's just a car, you know, yeah. and just like anything else. So it's kind of a combination of both, but it's it's worn off. It's just now a vehicle to get us through and to get us through these mountains as well. So it's proven to help. <laughs> for sure. Now, do you feel do you feel thankful for it, though? You know, I am thankful for the Jeep. Because I think the that's Jeep. the difference. Yeah. I think a lot of people get, acquire a lot of stuff, and they don't really feel thankful for it. And I think there's a I, – I bought my first new vehicle when I was 54 years old. I had never had a new vehicle before, and I wasn't going to buy a, a new vehicle, and Debbie kind of talked me into it. And then I picked one out, and it was like, no, you, that's not the one you really want. You really want this one over here. She, Debbie's awesome. Anyway, um, but I'm so thankful to have something because a, a lot of times when you live through – when you don't, when you're not King Solomon mm-hmm. and you can't have everything you want – and you finally get something, you, you really appreciate it more. Well, I think also you've done my first testimony, you know, on episode 50. And mm-hmm. I came from a very poor family, mm-hmm. so I had absolutely nothing, mm-hmm. you know. And then yeah. Brian was the one always working and providing, and which I'm very grateful for. And now I'm on the other side of it and at his work. So it's yeah. like, oh, now I understand <laughs> what you're going through and what yeah. you're talking about. But at the same time, you know, it's like, okay, I was never able to have this or have that option to be like okay well yeah sure why not and it's like well there was a lot of things we probably should have prayed about definitely before but just like in the passage you know it was want 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 yep and it's and it's it's all it's that perfecting yes we're we're getting better because we're learning through the things that we do and the things that we we don't do um Bottom line is what Solomon is saying here is is earthly stuff is never going to satisfy us. It's never going to never going to do it. Here's a second question: Does getting what you want truly make you happy? My answer to that question is: It depends on what you want, right? If again going to that last sentence of your story, if that's the desire of your heart every day then I think that getting what you want will make you happy. Because what you want is for God to be pleased with what you're doing. And if you get that, you're going to be happy. 
you know? Yes. But if it's a thing, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's probably not going to do it. Yes, my thing end up being, you know, an expensive thing, you know, yeah. versus, you know, a new couch even those can be a little expensive too (laughs) but yeah yeah, so it's been a learning experience uh it's good stuff um yeah i i I remember again going back to um the job that i had been on for 25 years and uh, i fought with god so much over that over leaving that job that um he was making it clear that I should be looking elsewhere. And, of course, during that time, I wasn't happy. And it was because I wasn't listening to him. He's trying to point me in a direction. He's whacking me upside the head with a two-by-four every other day, making it obvious. And I'm just like, yeah, whatever, God. You, know what yeah. I mean? <laughs> you look back on it and you go, that drives me crazy. Yeah. Um, but eventually, eventually he got my he got my attention. But I, I liked, you know, last night Mitchell mentioned the whole – we were talking about the walking program mm-hmm. and how it all started. And he – I don't know if you caught what he said, but he said he got the blessing of a knee injury. Yes. That kind of forced him to start walking, and that really changed our whole trajectory on how we looked at walking and run for God. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, even a bad thing like an injury can really be a blessing. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Yes, I am – finding that out (laughs) (laughs) well you mentioned that right? yes that maybe that's why god's got you slowed slowed down right now right exactly you think that's the case yes i believe it is it's definitely put me back onto who is important in my life and that's what i needed that's good that's good well so do you feel like he's pointing you in a definite direction now honestly i'm still unclear on that but there are you know I have on I now to update I have had surgery. I'm post three weeks out from my surgery. There are things that um I feel cautious about going back because I'm afraid of being put on the same machines that had caused my injury. Yeah. I never had carpal tunnel before. This is all work related. And you've done have you done secretarial work before? Is that what you said? Or yes, customer service, which but a lot of times it's not know. a constant right. you know, typing. Right. You know, some people think that's all you do for eight hours or whatever. And it's like, no, I do yeah. a lot more different stuff and right. you have more breaks there. You have to constantly work same or you're thing. not gonna make rate. We have a rate that we have to make. Right. And so I'm good at my job because I don't want to, you know, let my supervisor down or anything. So I do make right. Yeah. And I even was pulled off of it at one point and my supervisor's like, no, she has to be on it because she makes right. And I was like, oh, that's, <laughs> you know, that's great. So Brian and I actually had talked about it before even coming in here uh, about what I would do because it is a union place. And so there are union representatives to help talk. And so if I get put back on those machines, we've talked about it since I have had the surgery. It doesn't mean I want to go right back onto the same machine that caused injury because I do have it slightly on my left side. Yeah. So we have discussed that I would go to the union representative, talk to her, and then she would go with me to talk with the supervisor. And if she continued to keep me on there, I will be leaving that place then. So I just, me, I have to outweigh is it worth it to continue to get hurt at a place yeah. versus the money? Yeah. And yes, the money is a lot better at some than some other places, but to me, it's not worth it. Yeah. Even when Brian was on his own, I always told him, 
you know, I like when you work overtime so we can do the vacation, but sometimes I'd rather just have you at home than the money. And yeah. we have to remember what's important. There are definitely things, and that's what Solomon's saying here. Right? Yes. He's saying that there's more important things than money for sure. Yes. And, uh, again, through my, my situation, I've learned it very, very vividly that, uh, yeah, money is just not, you ne- it's never going to make you happy. Um, yeah. So, uh, is it clear? And you so you sound clear at this point in time that you feel like you're in a better place for sure. Yes, I believe that the 40 hours has helped. Now there is a timeline on that 40 hours. So Mm -hmm. my uh, doctor gave me a six month 40 hours, and that is up in the end of June. So then it's an automotive. So they mandate all the time. They joke about it. It looks like the Bible. Your name will be in black. And it will be red mandate. And so you'll just see a whole list when you come in. And I've even suggested, you know, they don't have a good work-life balance. It's either you work there and don't have a life or, you know, you're people that's not on there. There is a lot of injuries due to the repetitive motions there. So it is hard. And then I have to battle with what I will do on that. So, yeah, that's a tough, that's a tough balance. Yes. Um, but I think there's, uh, yeah, I, I think there's a time and place to, to really step back and evaluate all of that. Habakkuk three seventeen and 18, though the fig tree may not blossom nor fruit be on the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail and the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the fold and there be no herd in the stalls yet. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. That's a tough scripture, I think. Um, You know, it's it's one of those things where you're saying it doesn't matter how bad it gets. I mean, it's it's a great scripture, but it's a hard one to actually do, right? Yes. When you're in the middle of that, it's really really hard. Yes. So. I read, a, I read a story about this scripture that uh, Benjamin Franklin used this scripture one time. Benjamin Franklin was a deist. He wasn't even a Christian. But um, somebody was giving him uh, trouble with the fact that Benjamin Franklin, even though he wasn't a Christian, he had a lot of respect for Christians and for the Bible. And um, he used this scripture one time to make a point to some people who are some intellectuals who are giving him a hard time about believing things or not believing things or having any respect at all for for Christianity. And uh, so he told the, this couple that uh, I'm going to read you this thing I found from this ancient manuscript. And he read out this scripture, <laughs> a little bit more than that, but but basically this scripture. And um, they were like, oh, that's beautiful. And, and then he was like, yeah, it's from the Bible. <laughs> I think that's a great story. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so it uh, – this is something that it's beautifully written. Um, again, a tough thing to do. Uh, in today's world, today's world kind of directs us to wallow in our misery. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. It's it's like how big of a victim can you possibly be, and that makes you more important. I mean, and and I see it. You know, I deal with young folks a lot, and I see a lot in young folks. Um, it's almost like they want to be unhappy. Mm-hmm. And um, and so we see that all around us, and so it's hard not to fall into that same pattern because we just see it. And 
I do it. We, we, we all do it. Yes. There's no, there's no, I don't, I, well, I want to say there's nobody exempt. I've met a few people. I've got a, an old pastor friend who, um, God, it doesn't matter what's going on. I mean, it doesn't matter. It could be the most horrendous circumstances in the world. He'll find some way to make it positive. And I'm so envious of being able to look at things that way. Yes. Because most of us don't. And, and again, it's hard when the, when the world is saying, woe is me is a good response to everything that, um, it's hard not to mm-hmm. because, because that's our example. But the truth is that at the end of the day, no matter how things, how bad things get and whatever we're doing, whether that be at work, it be at home, it be in a relationship, it be whatever we're doing at our church, um, even our running, you know, um, whatever it is, God is still everything. And as long as you live by that last sentence in your story, it, it doesn't, none of that matters. And I read this, I said, it, it said, if we know who God is, and what he has done, we can't help but praise him, right? Yes. And that's, and we do know. Mm-hmm. That's the bad part is we know. Yes. And we still fall victim. Um, how about this question? When times are hard, where do you look or turn to? So what do you do? Where, where is your where is your default position? We want our default position to be as soon as things happen to be God, right? Mm-hmm. To think of it like that friend I was talking about. You know, it's you know there's a tornado coming, but he's going to find some way of making some something positive yeah. out of it. Um, how do we get there? Oh, geez. When I <laughs> I feel like I got it. same thing with going all through my story and stuff, and you know, holding it to myself and feeling isolated. I look to myself and I'm like, okay, what am I doing wrong? Like, it's all my fault, you right. know? And so I just keep it there until, you know, I'll, I'll just sit and pray. We have our own little prayer room. And I'll, I mean, sometimes I don't even know what to say, you know, in Romans 8, you know, yeah. it says, you know, while we may not know what to pray, the Spirit knows. Yeah. And I'll just sit there and then it's like, you know, God knows what I need what I'm supposed to be doing and I'm supposed to be talking to him, not talking out loud to myself or punishing myself for it. So, yeah. Yeah. And again, that perfection thing, being perfected is we hope that, that I look at it this way. I want that time to be shorter and shorter between Mm -hmm. what happens. And when I get to that position, like you're talking about, right? Yeah. I was thinking about how, when, if I run a race, um, Debbie goes to a few of my races, but most of the time she doesn't go to my race. So when I get through with a race, I call her and um, tell her how it went. And she looks forward to that phone call. And I look forward to that phone call. And doesn't matter how good or how bad, I'm gonna call. she knows I'm going to call. And so I, whenever I get through the race, it doesn't matter if I, I've got a bunch of friends around. I'm like, hold on a second. I got to call my wife, you know, and I go, I, I go take off and go call her. And it's an automatic thing, is what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah, I, I feel the yearning when I get through with a race. I feel that oh, I need I need to make a phone call, mm-hmm. right? That's how we want things to be with when things happen to us that are not necessarily positive. Is our first reaction to be, okay, God, what are you trying to tell me? Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can do that, we could probably save ourselves from a lot of suffering on our own end. Oh my <laughs> goodness, couldn't we? Whoa. Um, yeah, I'm convinced that um, 
part of the reason why God gives us, and I think you mentioned this actually, part of the reason why God gives us bad circumstances is so we can get better at relying on him. Mm -hmm. Because at some point in time, we all get to that position where you just don't have any choice but to rely on him, right? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, when again, when I left that job that I was in, I got to a pretty low point at at one point, and um, I remember the moment. There was literally a moment. There was literally a time where I all of a sudden it just dawned on me. Why am I not calling on God? You know, I'm feeling sorry for myself. And why in the world am I? And I mean, it's like, I mean, it was like snapping fingers. Mm-hmm. Like, and, and from that point forward, I just, I've never looked back. It's like it, it all just kind of came together. But what God, I think, did. I think God purposefully let me get to that really, really low point before saying, okay, you've had enough. Let me reach down with his hand and pull me back up. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, I mean, I think that's, that's the way God works. I think, I think we're in those situations for a reason. Anything else you want to say about your story? Well, since I submitted this back in January, I believe, um, the update, I did have the surgery. Like I said, I'm three weeks post-op, okay. and Addison's moving back uh, May 25th. Some unforeseen circumstances oh. with my ex-husband, so she's actually going to be coming back to live with us permanently, you know, no switchbacks again. But I also feel like, while I had said about Moses in my story, I also feel like I'm Moses, you know? I'm like, yeah. but God, I can't do that. I can't. Yeah. I can't, you know? Yeah. So I feel like I also needed this, and it could be a testing and a learning experience for Addison as well, but I also needed this because what if I didn't and say, hey, no, you're going to stay with me until you're 18 when you're allowed to move out. I think it all happened for the right reason and that everything happened at the right time. Wow. That's a great way to look at it. Because, yeah, because I'm sure at the time it didn't feel like the right thing. No, it didn't. There were so many questions and everything was spiraling. Yeah. You know, just it kept going. And I had no break from the time Addison and then work started. And it was just on fast pace, go, 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 and stay strong. So, yeah, yes. Well, God bless you for uh, getting to the other side of that and having all these the realizations that you've had. Yes, and the relief now, finally. Yeah, So that's awesome. Do you struggle with motivation to exercise? Are you looking for something that will challenge you and inspire and motivate you? The Run for God Run Club is just what you need to get off the couch and on your way to a fitter, healthier you. Stop trying to get into better shape and do it. With the help and inspiration of thousands of others who are going through the same challenges you face. Whether you're participating in the Couch to Marathon Challenge or just looking for a daily pick-me-up to get active, join the Run for God Run Club today. You can join for as little as 27 cents a day. So what are you waiting for? Get started today at www.runforgod.com. All right, so we're back. So you and, and Ryan yes. have done some ultra running, right? Yes. So uh, how did that come about? Okay. Well, we're in the South. <laughs> so first race ever ran was Run for God in 2015. Did a few 5Ks. 
then we ha- we we call it seasonal running. We run when it's nice out. You hide yep. when it's not. <laughs> well, we got serious in 2019, and we did a run. We were starting to do 5Ks in every race since we came down to Dalton. It's like, we got to do this, you know? So we ran the Run the Bluegrass. We did the yearling, and it was our anniversary weekend. So I was like, well, let's just do the yearling. We don't really have to watch what we eat, drink, you know? It's fine. And there was an older lady who was like, oh, what race distance are you doing? Oh, the yearling. Oh, bless your heart. And she was doing the half marathon. And it's like, we know what that means. <laughs> so that was in March. Yeah. Then later in September, we did a full. And then we did our first 50K in December. So that's how we kind of got into it by someone telling us, bless your heart. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny. That moved kind of quick. Oh, it Man. did. Yes, I wouldn't recommend it for everyone, <laughs> but Brian and I are very competitive. Yeah. A good, healthy competitive. Yeah. We like to spur each other on. That's While sweet. today I might have won, if he was in more shape and was running more, you know, I he would have beat me. No he's, problem. He's coming for you. Oh, yeah. He will. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, what is it that you like about running for hours at a time? Well... I love running in the road on the roads, but and I'm not a fan of trail because it is harder. But I'd love the escape of getting in the woods and running for three, four hours. I just love being in the nature and the creation of everything that God has yeah. created. And I use that time. It's so peaceful and just yeah. praying and I clear my head. I wish sometimes I had like a little recorder to record all my thoughts i don't know if you ever get those aha moments and running and then i get back and i want to tell brian something it's like oh i can't even remember it but maybe it wasn't meant to be i've been there i've been there um well and i've mentioned before a lot of the dean's thoughts things that i that i write come from moments like that where and that the things that i do remember anyway Mm -hmm. but i've let a lot just as many slip away as i've written down for sure um so I think you mentioned to me you like the longer stuff more than like five Ks. Yes. You don't like that more intense pain of a five K, do you? No, I don't I don't like the burning and the hurting. <laughs> I just want to give up <laughs> because it's so hard. Everyone has their hard. My hard for me is to run the ultras because me, I'm pushing myself on can I make that thirty one miles or fifty miles, you know, yeah. versus you know, someone could get a fourteen minute 5k and that's hard for them and it would be i'd probably call paramedic but (laughs) to me i love that long distance that's hard and good for me i love it i get it i get it we're all we're all different from that standpoint because i like the shorter stuff better you know i i've never run an ultra race i did run 50 miles one time on my birthday yes um just on a whim and, Even though uh, I already told you it is yeah, an ultra. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> our first 50 miler was on our own because it had canceled yeah. because of COVID. And yeah. then we finally was able to do one then. Actually, two days after we moved in, we decided then, hey, let's run 50 miles. So, <laughs> uh, well, how, how do you fuel for your long runs? What, what, what's your, what's your, what's your trick on keeping fueled well? Now, I do water. I found that you add anything to it, it makes me oh, really? thirstier. So even the the long hours, you still yes. just. Water. I mean, I'll do Gatorade every once in a while, especially if it's on the race course. But I can't do uh, the goose or any kind of jelly beans. I have to do food. 
Okay. I have to do so kind real of food? food. I'll do like the Uncrustables because it's okay. easy to pack mm-hmm. or like I'll cut up little, little beef jerky because then it has the sodium and yeah. protein in there. Yeah. So that's good stuff. Yeah. 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 There's a lot of folks like that who, that don't do well with, uh, the pre-made stuff. They yeah. Do better I've tried with applesauce regular. too. That doesn't work. Does it not? Consistency. Oh. I can't do that on a run. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I could see that. Yeah, I remember one time somebody telling me that uh, during a, a, a uh, an Ironman competition that chicken broth is just fantastic. Mm. That you you won't taste anything better than chicken broth when you're doing it. Uh, well, I did I did a, a, an Ironman, and I remember I got off the bike, I went into my run. I was two miles into the run, and I was like, there was some chicken broth. I thought I'm gonna try it. It's got to it's it's gonna be awesome. Mm-hmm. And I tried it, and I was like, ugh, that was awful. <laughs> Yeah, it's all in what you know. Yeah. That would definitely be something not to try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just, yeah, that's the way it goes. Anyway, um, I read a story recently about this. The la- I can't remember her name, but she's the best ultramarathoner in the game right now. It could be Camille Heron. That may be her Blonde name. hair. Yeah, she just set the 48-hour record. Okay. Um, she actually ran further in 48 hours than any American man has run. So she's okay. got the American record for basically for men and female and female. Um, I don't remember how many miles she ran in 48 hours, but um, but she doesn't do long runs. She very rarely does long runs, um, which I thought was interesting. You'd think an ultra runner, you'd probably do a lot of long runs. Yeah. But she doesn't do a lot of long runs. So I thought that was crazy. All right, it is a time for Dean's Thoughts, and that's a time when I share something that I've written about the intersection between running and faith. Do you worry about what others think about you? If I'm honest, yeah. I probably do more than I should. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Well, I think we're, we're all... Uh, I'm around teenagers a lot, and oh, they're, they're so self-conscious about it. Mm-hmm. This one is called, Don't Worry About Others. I remember talking with someone years ago who didn't who didn't know how to rollerblade. I invited her to go to a local park and roll around a bit, but she didn't want people to see her trying to learn how to rollerblade. Well, that, and she was a little worried about falling down and hurting herself. I get it. No one likes to feel like they look like a fool, especially a fool with a skinned-up knee. I remember another lady who had a dream to publish a book. She had written pages and pages of stories, but almost no one had ever seen them. She wanted to work on them some more before allowing others to see her work. She was worried about what others would think about her writing ability. None of us are immune. When I was young, I would never dance in front of people. I was a terrible dancer. Actually, I'm still a terrible dancer. And I didn't really want anyone to see me trying to do something I couldn't do proficiently. We all have a tendency to put things off until we're ready. Another example would be having children. You hear about couples putting off having children until they're ready, but every parent knows you're never ready. (laughs) I could cite one example after another, but the point is that we don't really like the process of learning or doing a new thing. Or do we? Think about the last time you learned something new. How many things have you ever learned that you absolutely hated learning? I know I can't think of an example. The truth is that the learning part is often fun. So why don't we want to learn how to rollerblade where others can see us or let others see our work before we think it is ready or hit the dance floor? I think it's all about the comfort zone. 
Whether the problem is how others perceive us, which is uncomfortable, or the learning process itself, it is all about making yourself uncomfortable in the short run. But in the long run, we know it will be worth it. Teenagers are the worst. I once tried to give a teenager a new pair of racing shoes. He really wanted a pair of spikes, and I had an extra pair in his size that I was willing to give him. They had only been worn for one 8K race. They were essentially new. He couldn't afford to buy a pair, but he wouldn't wear them. Why? Because the colors were a little flashy, and he was afraid of what his friends would think about them. Peer pressure can be tough, even when it's probably not even there. The truth is that we shouldn't worry about what others think about us. Well, with a few exceptions. We certainly want to please our parents and our spouses, but they would only be supportive if our endeavors to learn of our endeavors to learn new things. There is one exception though, Jesus. We should want to do all we can do to be obedient to him. But there are times we compromise with our faith too. I was in a coaching class one time when I was confronted by the instructor about my faith. He was an atheist, and I could feel the disdain he had for my faith. I don't remember exactly what he said, but he asked me a very pointed question that forced me to make a decision. Would I be bold in my answer and stand up for Christ, or would I take the easy path and go with the conventional answer? I answered very boldly in a way that I think put a smile on God's face. And do you know what happened? We became friends. And as uncomfortable as he had made me when he put me on the spot in front of 30 other people, it was definitely worth the few seconds of sweat on my brow. I am so glad I answered the way I did. Often we're afraid of what others will think of us if we're bold for Christ. I really thought he would keep pressing me and that we may have even gotten into an argument during a break. Instead, he invited me out to Arizona to run a race he directed annually. The opposite had happened. Isn't that the way it works so often? When we're scared to get out on the rollerblades or to publish a book or to dance in front of people or to have children, we're usually scared of nothing. If you're a new runner, maybe even a slow, overweight runner who needs to walk frequently, don't worry about what others think. Very often, they're thinking the exact opposite of what you think they think. When I see someone really struggling to run, do you know what I think? I think that's awesome that she's out here doing her best. Don't worry about what others think, mostly because you have no idea what they're thinking, and it doesn't matter anyway. You're you're playing to an audience of one, and when you're trying really hard to do something for yourself that will better you in some way, he is smiling while you try. Amazing story. Uh, Well, thank you. And, you know, it has to be a God thing. So Irene has helped me, you know, a lot through this, and I just now noticed that. I had told her, you know, I'm going out of my comfort zone. I'm going to be doing the podcast. I was like, say a prayer for me. It's today. She's like, remember your audience of one. Isn't that funny? Yes. Uh, yeah. That's the way. That's, and you got the comfort zone yes, shirt on, too. Yes. Yes. I had to have it for I was like, I'm out of my comfort zone all weekend. That's, that's, <laughs> so awesome. that's awesome. That is so good. That's so good. You know, the thing about it is we're all, we all have different personalities, and, and I don't. I don't care if I look silly for the most part these days. I really just doesn't bother me, so I'm willing to do almost anything. There's still, even though I don't mind that, though, there's still always a little bit of a reluctance mm-hmm. to do things uh, and to try things, and I kind of have to force myself to tr- to try things, you know. Yes. Um, 
I don't know if you've heard the story that hey out of shape girl. Yes, I have. Okay. Um but that's I think that more people think that way than than don't. Mm-hmm. Um you know, the whole story is about a lady who goes to a track and she's really bad out of shape and she's running around the edge. She doesn't even want to run on the track because she feels not worthy of being on that track. And the people that are watching, it's written from the eyes of somebody who is spends a lot of time at the track and is proficient at it and basically looks at her and just says, if you'll look at me, I think what you're doing is awesome. Mm-hmm. And I think there's so many people who are like that. And so often when we're scared to get out of our comfort zone and do something hard, I think most people would look at us and go, that is so awesome that you're doing it. And we think they're going to look at it a whole different way. Exactly. Right? Yes. I mean, how often have you said something and then somebody somebody says something and you think they took it in a negative way, but they didn't mean it the way that it sounded? Or, you know, we, oh, we misinterpret things yes. all the time, don't we? Yes. Oh, my goodness. Um, I get, you know, I, I hear people, the world is full of mind readers mm-hmm. these days. Um, you listen to the news and everybody is proscribing the the intentions of everybody else (laughs) you know the person is saying this is why i did it and that this person over here is going no this is why you did it really you're in my mind you know better than i do you know i mean it's just it's crazy the way we are these days and i think that's what that that makes it harder to get out of our comfort zone because we see that right yes and so we know that there there are people out there the problem is is those are the loud people but they're not the important people you know and I think that's where we have to get to the realization. So I think the world has a way of defaulting to the most negative thing possible. I think social media is to blame for a lot of it because I think that people two, – two ways that happens. One, you have the anonymity thing where it's easy to, to denigrate somebody if you can't tell who that person is mm-hmm. in a lot of, and you can do that anonymous stuff and that's bad because you get attacked and that person doesn't even know who you are um and then the other side of that is you also are on social media you see people who their lives look perfect mm-hmm. and so you start you're like my life's not as perfect as hers is and the truth is she's covering a whole lot of stuff up i mean she ain't posting all the bad stuff exactly right but we see all that positive and we think man why can't my life be like that well probably a good chance your life is better than that person's and they're overcompensating sometimes for for what's really going on mm-hmm. and um, the truth is we all have those those things going on that we'd rather not share <laughs> right uh but i think we'd all be better off um if we just thought about Everything we do is only important to how God thinks about it, mm-hmm. right? And that would make – how difference would it be? How much of a difference would it be if everything we did – you know, right now, I don't know how it is in, in the workplace where you work, but there's a lot of places now where there's cameras everywhere, mm-hmm. right? And so people – it's a little intimidating to know there's a camera on you all the time. But how would it be? What would it be like? How would we act different? If Jesus was in the corner of every room we walked into. Oh, we'd watch what we say, thought, acted, for yeah, sure. Yeah. But is it the truth that 
he is exactly he's already in us yeah so we should already be thinking that way yeah but so often we don't because we don't see the physical yeah yeah man well the other the other part of this that i mentioned in this story is that we can't wait until we're ready um sometimes you just got to rip the band-aid off and go after something even when you don't feel like you're ready i remember a story one time about a guy who he had he was charged with creating a training program and he had 12 modules that he had to write and it took him half of the allotted time he had to write it it took him half that time to do the first one and he realized when he got through with it you know oh my goodness there's no way i can get through with 12 unless i do something different so what the reason why the first one took him so long is because he spent so much time trying to make it perfect so on the second one, what he did was he went through it as fast as he could and got the general ideas. Then he went back and just kind of modified things a little bit, and he found out that was a lot faster than trying to make sure everything was perfect from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, he he winds up getting it done because he winds up realizing that um, trying to be perfect is just too time consuming. <laughs> you know, yes. that you just you just got to do the best you can with what you got sometimes. Mm-hmm. And um, and the truth is is that in the end, it's probably going to be pretty close to that thing that if you'd have spent three times as much time on it, it's probably pretty close to the same thing. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it was a good story. Don't worry about what, what others think. Worry about what God thinks, and we'll all be better off. As a Christian runner, you might find it hard to decide what to listen to while you run. If you're looking for positive and Christian music that will help you keep your pace, check out the Radioactive Station on the new J Radio. We'll take care of picking the music so that you can concentrate on your run. Plus, you can count on us to make sure that the music is uplifting and encouraging. Check out jradio.com or download the app in your app store. Right, every week I share a reason why running or walking is so awesome. And this week, this is my, I had to use this one while Mitchell wasn't here. Track meets. I love track meets. Mitchell hates high school track meets. <laughs> and I get why he, hate, why he hates them because they do seem to last forever. The, it, there's lots of time in between events. And it, like There's nothing going on. And Can you imagine a football game where the huddle lasted for 10 minutes each time? It would be really boring. That's kind of the way a track meet feels sometimes. (laughs) But I love them. Um, The variety in track meets is so interesting to me. The pole vault is just an interesting thing. And um, then you got distance runners, you got sprinters. They're so different. The people, Mm -hmm. they're so different. It's not just the different events, the people, the personalities. They're so different. And so I just think that's one of the interesting things about running in general is um, the difference in people. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. All right. Final thoughts. You got anything that, um, that you want to share that we haven't shared to this point? Well, like I said, just recovering now and taking it one step at a time. I know that my goal was to make a fist so that I could get back to running. And yeah. the first run back was this week and then with the race for the well. 5K. So, yeah, 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 yeah I'm yeah, thankful yeah. for that. Yeah, yeah. So are you able to do stuff with your hand or is it? Well, today really during right the now? race, it was really rough. I thought I was actually going to have to walk and I prayed and, you know, 
it subsided the yeah. swelling because then they got hot once the fog lifted you know yeah. but it's getting there it's yeah. not all the way we'll see on monday if he's happy with that or not but yeah. so we'll it's car- carpal tunnel release surgery carpal tunnel and then i had the trigger finger to oh, where yeah, when i closed okay. my finger i had to pry it open yeah. it was that bad it was locking up and making mm-hmm. a pop noise so yep. we'll see i, I still can't bear weight or anything yet on it yeah uh, I used to, when I was in manufacturing, mm-hmm. I worked in human resources and dealt with a lot of, a lot of carpal tunnel syndrome over the years. So I'm very, very familiar with it. Um, so whenever, this is kind of, whenever I get to that point, some of the things that you're talking mm-hmm. about, you know, where things are just, you feel like things are just bearing down on you. And you have all this pressure and you feel you don't know where to turn and sometimes you feel alone and do you feel more inclined to want to go run in those moments or less? I always feel more inclined. I want to go out there and just bury myself in a long run. Yes. Was, because that it, what you it, felt? It's not only just like a stress reliever. To me, I feel like it helps me mentally. I have yeah. the clarity of going out on a run and being able to just pound it out whether I'm running fast or slow. It's just being able to just go out and Get a fresh breath of air, you yeah. know, and just have yeah. it all out instead yeah. of, you know, all locked inside my mind. <laughs> yep, I, I understand it. So, what are your future running plans? You plan to run any more ultras, or you plan to run shorter stuff? You want to get shorter? You want to get faster? Or you want to get be able to run longer? Well, we were actually signed up for a race to do the fifty miler in July. But with my injury and everything, I had already missed three months of my training plan. So uh-huh. with prayer and the help of Irene, you know, I've decided to step back from that. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those uh, fear of missing out. You know, I felt like I had to do it again, you know. And yeah. it's like, well, I'm still an ultra runner if I never run another ultra. That's a fact. And so while I may have a few more oncoming medical issues going on, you know, uh, I plan on just going with run for god schedule and hopefully do marathon or half marathon in mississippi and then cheer on everyone else so that's the plan so maybe you know i'm going up to wisconsin to michelle's race and support her so i'm hoping to beat my time then so that that's my faster (laughs) all right well good so a little bit of both yeah all right so I, i was just i was reading this week that um and i don't know why this came up but I was reading this week that Elliot Kipchoge, do you know who that is? Yes. Yeah, he broke the two hours. Yes, yes. So he sleeps 10 hours a day. Um, he gets a two-hour nap every day. Would you sleep that much if you could? I don't think so. I don't think I could. I, I feel like I would be tired even with this time off. That fear I've, of missing out thing again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and just then you're sleeping and then you'd be used to it then what happens when uh, my schedule gets broken up yeah. and i can't sleep 10 hours anymore <laughs> yeah i guess if you're the best marathoner in the world you can do you can afford exactly to do that. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well do you ever read running books yes i have a few of them and i actually yeah. had to screenshot them because i was like trying to, to figure out them. what yeah, they were I, I get that so some of them the one is uh eat and run by scott jerk now okay. it has some language in it and he's an ultra runner and yep. it shows from where he was in his childhood and i feel like i kind of can relate because he came from very poor family and then what why he ran and then he's a plant-based eater isn't he yes he is he actually has a cookbook i believe too 
Mm-hmm. And he has another book, North. I haven't read that yet. George mm-hmm. actually said that was a good book, so okay. I have to read that. But I just love that. And Dean Carnese, he has a lot of good books. The 50-50, where he ran yeah. 50 states, 50 days. I mean, it's amazing what our bodies can really do if we put our mind to it. Yeah. And I just love that. Yeah. Yeah, his story is crazy. Dean's yes. story is, is crazy. The way, he, the way he kind of discovered running, mm-hmm. just... Because he just went out and ran yeah. all night long. Yeah, it's crazy, <laughs> crazy story. Yeah. What about running movie? Is there is there a running movie that you really like? Well, there's a lot. I have a lot of them, but yeah. extraordinary. I would say it's a Christian book or a Christian movie. It has it's a true story on a marriage and the coach uh, doing a cross country from California to New York. And really. It's, about a marriage, a struggling marriage, and him finding God and talking to God through it. And I just love it. Now, I don't know if I would ever run across the United States, but I just love that endurance part. And yeah. to be a part of something like that, even if it's crewing someone, is just amazing. I've never heard of that movie. That's crazy. Yes. I thought I'd heard of every running movie. Extraordinary, it's yes, called. Yes, extraordinary. Okay. i got to remember that. i got to look it up yes. for sure. Yeah, I love I love running movies. As a matter of fact, I just rewatched recently. There's an old old running movie. It was made in 1961, I think. Okay. It's called The Loneliness of the Long Distance Runner. Okay, no, I haven't heard that one. It's very interesting. It's about a it's about a man who he just he's kind of he kind of gets himself into trouble, just mm-hmm. little stuff, and he winds up in jail, and um, and he winds up try, running a cross country race um, as part of the jail team. And um, it's just it's it's a it's an interesting look. It's you know it's not a Christian movie, mm-hmm. but it's an interesting movie. Uh, anyway, uh, what, what it's kind of one of those. What would you do if you were in his shoes? Kind of thing. In- interesting. Right. So uh, yeah, that's interesting. And um, I don't know. There's a bunch of them out there. McFarland USA. McFar- McFarland is one. a great movie. Matter mm-hmm. of fact, we're supposed to watch it Monday night with the track kids so i think we're going to watch that then so because they they love that movie they have their region meet next week so we're going to try to get that movie in and watch it and try to get them kind of excited and pumped up for Mm -hmm. for the region meet so yeah 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 and books wise have you ever read duel in the sun no i have not okay you need to read Duel in the Sun. Okay. Because Duel in the Sun, there's two guys, Dick Beardsley and Alberto Salazar, guys from back in the 80s that ran the Boston Marathon, and that it's known as the Duel in the Sun. But it's a lot more than just talking about that race. It does talk about that race, but it also talks about both of their lives and the things that have happened to them. Very well written and a very and very interesting story on both of them. So it's my, I think that's probably my favorite. All right. Let's leave you with a trivia question this week. The trivia question is this. Very, very simple and straightforward. What is VO2 max? We hear that phrase. What is mm-hmm. V and, and, and we hear the word VO2 max. What does that mean? So be the first one to send that to Dean at runforgod.com and you'll win a $20, uh, discount on the Run for God store. So what is VO2 max? It sounds, um, kind of mysterious a little bit if you don't know what it means yes so look it up google it and i'll leave you with this motivational thought of the week it comes from helen keller when one door of happiness closes another opens but often we look so long at the closed door that we do not see the one which has opened before us isn't that 
awesome. Yes. That you know we're always worried about what we lost and never worried about what's coming up next. Mm-hmm. And um, very often we got something better coming up, and that's probably where you are right now with yes. your whole story. Is you got great stuff coming, and um, you just the door maybe the door hasn't quite been fully opened yet, mm-hmm. or maybe it's partially opened. And it's coming. That's awesome. Don't dwell. Move on. Well, thank you, Elizabeth, for doing this. We appreciate you being here and sharing your story with us. Well, I appreciate that extra email to get me out of my comfort zone. (laughs) (laughs) Again, funny how God works, isn't it? Yes. Yep, yep, it's funny. All right, folks, until next week, may God bless every step of every run and or walk. Go out there and shine your light. Good job, Dean. For more information about the Run for God ministry, go to runforgod.com. If you have questions about your salvation, click on the Peace with God tab. There's nothing more important. Thanks for joining us today.